When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host... Jeff Cesario. Yeah, baby. Welcome to the podcast. This could be a fun one. Uh, my guest today is a uh, political commentator, editor in chief, not just some rinky dink second level editor. <laughs> this guy is editor in chief at ricochet.com. He's contributed to the Arizona Republic. He's a raconteur. And as you can already see, if you're, if you're going to see a clip of this, uh, beard trendsetter, John Gabriel is here. Uh, we're going to dive in with John in just a sec. But first, Chet, you have a sports update? I have sports updates like that blonde ESPN anchor has hair extensions. Down to here, baby. Time for the Waterhouse update. Sponsored by Eclectic. A dozen eggs. A dozen different birds. NBA playoffs. The Bucks, Like the dessert waiter at Cheesecake Factory. They just keep coming at you. Celtics defense more useless than a drawer full of Tucker Carlson's old bow ties. Mormon liquor log lights out at midnight Utah trying to figure out why they can't attract big name NBA talent. And finally, the Lakers are so old, they not only miss the playoffs, John, they can't even find them on their satellite dish. They're old. They don't know how to work tech. Ah, forget it. That wrap up sponsored by Par Mitzvah. The golf method that'll make a man out of you. America's pastime. Now not putting Mentos in Pepsi for a TikTok video. Baseball. Trevor Bauer suspended two years by the league, said Commissioner Rob Manfred. His position in the sex scandal is completely defensible. But God, he's a pain in the ass. Cincinnati gets swept in their defense. They said they spent their entire pregame in the dugout trying to settle on their pronouns. That item sponsored by Cataraction, the dating app for people with blurry vision, and Bananas, the bananas guaranteed to ripen tomorrow. NFL draft day from the parking lot of what appeared to be a televangelist's backup church. Kayvon, Thavon, Tavon, and Sauce all go in the first round. Guys named Carl and Leo went in the fourth round. That item sponsored by Can I Get a Fitness? Go to the church and work out at the same time with Can I Get a Fitness? And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1909, the place Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Honus Wagner stole second, then third, and then home against the Cubs. Said Wagner, God, the Cubs are awful. This Waterhouse Update sponsored by Dick Tucker's Women's Clothes for Men. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Chet. That was, uh, that was a top-notch one. I particularly like that one. Um, 
My guest today, well-known political commentator. He's written at USA Today. You've seen his stuff in Wall Street Journal. He leans right, but often just to make sure no one further right is uh, coming with uh, flaming torches. Put it this way. He survived Arizona politics, relying largely on his roadrunner-like instincts. The great John Gabriel. John, how are you today? Great to be on. Chet has definitely had his carafe of coffee today, so that is that is good to hear. Yeah, it's a little stuck little in his veins. Step. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pep in his step is an understatement with with uh, Chet. Uh, uh, let's talk you first. Here's something I found buried in most of the John Gabriel information as literally a toss up at the end of virtually everything I read. Oh yeah. He was a submarine reactor operator in the U.S. Navy. How do you bury the lead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my, um, in a way, misspent youth. I'm really glad I did it. But uh, I was always one of those students in high school who's like, smart kid, doesn't apply himself. So um, I said, I need somebody to kick my rear end into shape. So join the Navy, me and a very unintelligent friend of mine. We still hang out and drink beers together. And uh, we we signed up, and yeah, so I was stationed on a submarine out of Pearl Harbor. Um, wow. Yeah, nuclear That's... reactor. So it was very intense training. Glad I did it. But after about two weeks underwater, instead of a career, I went, yeah, I kind of missed the sun. I think, I'm gonna, yeah. I think one tour of duty is good. That has to affect you in ways nobody on land can understand, unless you've been kidnapped. By like, you know, someone in Kansas who's dropping into the well in the backyard. I, how does that, what's the worst effect of being on a sub? Um, you have to go um, a little bit crazy or it'll make you crazy. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, the problem, too, is join the Navy, see the world. Oh, this will be great. <laughs> And you go on a sub, travel on a sub is like going into your closet, closing the door, turning off the lights. And then two weeks later, you open it again and you're in a different city. So it's not, uh, yeah, not exactly the old submarine ride at Disney at Disneyland. It's, uh, yeah, you're just kind of like sitting in a pipe for a few weeks before uh, it's time right. to emerge into the sunlight. <laughs> See the world at 9 p.m. In uh, <laughs> New Zealand, and for four hours, it should, right. yeah, they should amend that for a for submarine guys. Now, I've noticed, I've detected a bit of a Midwest undertone to some of your tweets. Hilarious on Twitter, uh, uh, sort of a Lutheran Midwest streak, which, which actually might be great prep for life on a sub. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Just lot of isolation. Yourself, try to dark. be polite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Repress your emotions. Yeah, my uh, family's originally, my parents are youpers. My dad uh, played a lot of hockey at Lake Superior State. Oh, sure. The, uh, the, way the back Lakes, in the, the day. The Sioux Lakers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, that's uh, in the Upper Peninsula for people who don't who don't know. Right. Uper right. Is short for, uh, is, uh, is, uh, for Upper Peninsula, which is that giant, uh, looks like a, a jester's cap that hangs off the top of Wisconsin, but for some reason is part of Michigan. Nobody knows why. <laughs> exactly. And everybody up there too are Packers fans because yeah, uh, right. they are kind of culturally more linked with Wisconsin. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to get my daughter once again into football. She would be a fourth generation Packers fan, but she doesn't really care much about football at this stage. So I'll keep working on her. Yeah. How old is she? 
She is uh, two years into college, uh, 19, uh, going to be 20 very soon. So, uh, Yeah, so uh, understandably uh, not into football other than wherever she might be attending. Did she follow you to Arizona State, which unbeknownst to most people because it's 97% party and then 3% Cronkite School of Journalism? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she did uh, matriculate to um, what I like to call the Harvard, uh, the Harvard of the West. Um, Nobody else. Yeah, when I was that. there, it was no number one. one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like to call it Stanford of the West. If people people went, wait a minute, wait a minute, Stanford. I think that's in the West already. Um, yeah, ASU. Um, I didn't do anything exciting there, but it was ranked by Playboy magazine the number one party school yeah. when I was there. They have fallen from those mighty academic heights, though. Um, it's just a huge school. It's kind of like the Ohio State in that it's just massive with commuters and everything. And I was just cheap. I wanted to go to uh, the school that was in town so I could work all day, take night classes as needed, and uh, just work that out after I got out of the Navy. So did you were, you were you raised in Arizona, born and raised in Arizona? Raised, uh, moved here when I was six from the Midwest. Uh, my parents spent a February up in Dassau, uh, in Michigan and said, what's the opposite of this? Okay. Let's go right into the frying pan. Let's go from the freezer and jump, stick our heads in an oven. Um, yeah. that's pretty much what we did. Let's go find different things that can bite you out in the wild. It, <laughs> right, at least it'll exactly. be warm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bite, sting, you name it. Hey, guys, that uh, sponsored by Incognito. You'd never guess we're plumbers. And Rocket City. John, Rocket City is the jet blue of space travel. Back to you guys. All right. Uh, we're in Arizona now. So you're growing up in Arizona. Uh, uh, you dive into the Navy to straighten yourself out. Uh, you come back. Let's talk a little Arizona politics because it's it's it's. Do we success- do we have to? Why not? <laughs> It successfully avoided uh, the the Florida syndrome, which is Florida still consistently is is the nose cone of the crazy plane. Uh, (laughs) Arizona appears crazy, but I I know that your sense of it is that it's just sort of a a cranky, cantankerous independence, which, which, quite frankly, is shared by a couple of Midwest states as well, mine, Wisconsin, being among them, where there will be a pendulum swing. You know, you will go literally from Senator Joe McCarthy to Senator Gaylord Nelson. You go, how <laughs> is that possible? And yet, and I think you feel that's sort of at the core of what drives some of the craziness in Arizona. Yeah, there is a real uh, a great example of this, although he's a transplant, he um, represented the Arizona voter. Um, he would vote for anybody in any party if he never heard the politician come up in the news. He went, they aren't Your bugging dad, me. Right? <laughs> they aren't getting in trouble. Yeah, my dad was like that. We always have, I know California has a lot of propositions on their ballot. Um, Arizona does as well. And one time when I was an eager, earnest college student, I was going through all the propositions with him, making sure he voted for the right one. He says, look, John, I vote no on all of them. And I said, why? He goes, because if one passes, that means change and change is bad. So (laughs) this, it's just kind of this in grade, wait, is everybody telling me to do X? 
I'm going to do Y. Heck, right. I'm going to A, B, or C. You know, it's just like you're not the boss of me. And they, uh, the Arizona, the typical Arizona voter is willing to cut off his own nose to spite his face and then brag about it to all of his friends and call up his buddies in California. Yeah, we showed them. Yeah, you cut off your nose. Yeah, they didn't expect that. No one saw that coming. Wild card. So. He'll he'll brag about it while bleeding into his mouth from <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> from a severed nose. Uh, the senator, one of the senators there, Kristen Cinema, good example of this. You wrote a great piece on her on on how this sort of is what the nation is missing about Kristen Cinema because she's mm-hmm. often painted, quite frankly, on either side, depending uh, as just sort of a wacko crazy. Uh, you know, she's the bisexual nut, you know, but she, what's at the key is that she essentially will work with whoever wants to get work done, was your point, I believe. Uh, that's rare. That was one of the reasons I really lamented Al Franken getting sort of bum rushed, uh, you know, uh, out of out of out of uh, out of that side of the political spectrum, because following Al. I saw, oh, wait, he's working on farm legislation that nobody gives a crap about, except people in Wisconsin and Minnesota and California and Arizona, where they're growing the crops. Mm-hmm. So, so I would hate to see another one lose this. How do you think she can fit in or, or not that she cares to, but how does she change or how do we change a national narrative on her and maybe get a more balanced picture? Yeah, it's going to be tricky to do because uh, people, especially in D.C., in the Beltway, everything's binary. You are on the right, you are on the left. This is your label or that is your label. And most of us, most of the people watching slash listening here aren't that way. You know, you might, you know, trend one way, a little left on this issue, a little right on that issue. Um, I come from a family where We always disagreed on everything. And guess what? We all got along great. It didn't matter, you know, and uh, Kirsten Sinema kind of represents that she's um, her constituency is pretty even a red and blue, and they don't want to see her kowtow to someone on the far right. They also don't want her to kowtow to her own party leadership. Again, it's this independent streak. And that's why McCain was so successful here. That's why Barry Goldwater before McCain was successful. Uh, Someone who is willing to thumb their nose at the labels given them by, I don't know, someone on meet the press. Um, People just want somebody to be feisty and independent and voters really reward that here. How do we, how do we slide out of, if it's even humanly possible at this stage, Bad messaging on either side. First of all, first of all, the the extremes seem to run the narrative for both parties right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and so we get like like when they came up with defund the police, I, I literally leapt out of my chair and went, "No, no! How how you you're supposed to have hipster creative minds peppered all through the Democratic Party." Yeah. And this, did you run it by anybody? Uh-huh. <laughs> would we, uh, you know, streamline the police? Is there anything that would be better <laughs> than a phrase that says we're literally going to lose the police forces, mm-hmm. even though that's not what they meant necessarily. It, it's just, horrible. and then on the other side, when they run with something like uh, critical race theory, and, mm-hmm. and you try to stop them and go, that, that's like a law school theory. 
that was taught at law school, there's no way it's being taught at your kid's grade school. And it just it just became a buzzword that meant something completely different, meant how are we teaching the racial history of America? But critical race theory itself. So you get these. Oh, my goodness. Is there a way to calm this down and get information into the pipeline as well as just, uh, you know, um, buzzwords? Yeah, I think a big thing is um, and I'm on social media a lot, but I, I think I have a kind of a tongue in cheek attitude. I don't take either side very seriously on these things because they're selling a product. They're hawking something. They, right, they want right. votes. They want donations. And uh, so for the people not in DC, you don't have to be wired into this all the time. Best thing to do, talk to your neighbors. Their ideas are probably more entertaining and crazy. You know, one neighbor to one side is hilarious. And uh, you're like, wow, you really believe that? That's great. And you realize you get along great with them. You're going to find people across the spectrum politically and guess what? You're all going to agree on the same basic things. That's one thing that I find out just talking with my neighbors here, when you're working in an office, talking with people there, they can be all over the map. And then you mention a common sense thing and they all say, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like a lot of these issues, just daily issues. Why don't we work on those for a while, you know, instead yeah. of just trying to isolate and alienate and get our party in power because that's another thing. Being in Arizona, you're going to have kind of a libertarian streak. And it's like, look, right. both the parties, they're, they're used car salesmen. They're trying to hawk something. So um, I'm never going to trust them. Um, I, if I can use them to get a common sense policy through here or there, I will do so. But uh, don't take them seriously. Uh, just chat with people because there's so many, pe- uh, so many people who agree on the big issues, but those don't sell on cable news. That radical thought about actually talking to other human beings, which will get him hashtagged right out of the business, sponsored by Nugentix, wiener pills directly from Ted Nugent. And are you going to like this one with those mid-rest roots, John? Porn on the cob, Iowa's number one adult store. Back to you guys. All right. Uh, um, so, so, so you're suggesting actual human interconnection somehow. It's crazy. It's it's a really wild idea that I have, but, but it I might think a lot of people are looking work. for it. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people are looking for that because yeah. just people, it's a fire hose of nonsense. If you're just on watching cable news, you're on social media, you got to unplug from that stuff. Read yeah. a book, you know, hang out with your family. Uh, I think everybody needs to do that and just not take this crazy world of politics all that seriously because look, most of them are idiots. Most of them aren't, aren't as smart as the guy who runs a plumbing shop down the street from you. Um, right. Learn common sense, and we can find a lot of areas of agreement, I think. Can we find those areas of agreement in actual structured government? Is, <laughs> it, do we have to create a third, a third part? Well, they call them tribe. There's two tribes, people say. I think there's a third tribe right in the middle. That's like, huh, what? Could, to, to paraphrase your dad, you know, just get to work. I'm going to work. Could you work? <laughs> right. Less noise, more work. That would be good. Uh-huh. Uh, is there a way to do that still? I, I think the best way to do it really is uh, focusing on your own state. Arizona is a weird state, and that's one of the reasons I love it. But if you look at state registration, party registration right now in Arizona, 
you have a third of the people are registered Republican, a third are registered Democrat, a third are registered Independent. Independent is number two for the most popular, quote unquote, party in the state. It's going to overtake the Republicans, I would say, in two years. If you look across the country, states around the country, independence are the the only quote unquote party that is growing and more and more people are joining them. And I think that is the group who wants them just to get to damn work, fix the potholes, you know, do the big, do the, the minor things that need to be done. And then you can try to reinvent the world after that. So now do you spin this out on, on the podcast King of stuff, because I'm pretty sure that may actually the podcast King of stuff it's called. Uh, it might just be an excuse to get your personal brand of uh, perfume and fashion out there. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I have a line coming out very soon. Yeah. Some eau de toilette. You, you, you're, um, you're, monet- you're monetizing this somehow. I'm almost positive. <laughs> yeah, that and that actually came because I think I wrote about, I don't know, some obscure sci-fi show. And then I talked about the financial markets. And then I went into, I don't know, pa- Packers commentary. And someone said, what are you talking about? You are the king of stuff. And I said, I am the undisputed king of stuff. So it was <laughs> kind of a mockery because I always pretend I know everything about everything. But the fact is, it's just a way of me being ADHD, which I've been since I was a little kid and uh, needing to, um, I don't know, jump from topic to topic every five minutes or, you know, like a little uh, gerbil in a cage or something like that. Well, speaking of, let's dive right into sports then, because uh, you're clearly... I've bored you with over well over four minutes of political discussion by this point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Arizona, you got to be feeling pretty good. Bit of a dry spell in Arizona. And now, you know, the Cardinals are showing some serious signs of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Chris Paul and the Suns, could be headed for the NBA finals, which would be mm-hmm. nice to see. Uh, is, is, is the sports success part of the overall Arizona bluster? Now, hey, wait a second. Our teams are doing pretty well. Hey, Ann, we got something <laughs> to say about politics too. I mean, it's- <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, it is good. And growing up here, uh, you know, I moved here when I was six and it was the Suns. That was the end of the pro teams. Yeah. Uh, you could go to an ASU game or something like that since they're located just outside of Phoenix. But it was all the sons and my dad would, you know, get tickets. We'd walk right up to the gate at will call. He'd grab the tickets for six buckets, six bucks each. And we would sit in the game and watch it. And when we weren't watching minor league hockey with the Phoenix Roadrunners was that team way back when the IHL. Right. So, um, but yeah, people are feeling pretty good. Um, the sons are really the, the basis of sports fandom here. And uh, hopefully they can get Booker back. Who knows? Yeah. But, um, it could, it could really uh, rally uh, rally everybody around uh, Phoenix sports like nothing else, even more than if the Cardinals won everything or the D-backs won everything like they did in 01. So it's definitely uh, hoops-centric, uh, yeah. just from deep roots. I mean, you know. Exactly, exactly. Deep roots. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Barkley and yeah, such yeah. great teams. And then just if you grew up here, too, I remember being a little kid and wandering over to a local mall and getting signatures from Paul Westfall, uh, Sweet D, 
and um, all, all these great players and John McLeod, who was the coach back then. It's like, I don't want your signature. You're not cool. I want, I want to hang out with Walter Davis. And uh, he was not impressed with my skills or my advice, but it, it's one of those things where, yeah, it just has deep roots in the community and you kind of grew up rallying for the Suns um, because they are not a team that moved here from elsewhere. Now, as a Packer fan, uh, how's the, how's the climate? in Arizona for a Packer fan. Are there enough Packer bars? Because pretty much everywhere you go, there's at least several Packer bars. There are a bunch in my neighborhood. They compete against each other, Packers bars. Yeah, um, Florida, if you live on the East Coast and you're tired of the snow, you move to Florida. Anywhere in the Midwest, you move to Arizona. So tons of Chicago folks, Wisconsin folks, Michigan, Minnesota, you name it, Calgary, up in Canada. So yeah, there, there is a huge Packer backer contingent out here uh, moving from the Midwest. And also too, when, you know, when I was a kid, they were horrible. So yeah. I always had to have a backup team that actually made it into, you know, the postseason. Sure. So it'd be Steelers for a while during their glory days. And it'd be the Niners during the Joe Montana days, because I, otherwise I'd be stopping watching football, you know, anytime it got near the postseason. But yeah, now so that they're a contender, you have fans all over this country, especially a lot in Arizona. So, yeah. So you're familiar with the Scott Hunter years. Yeah. The Packers. <laughs> The right, Forrest right. Gregg led uh-huh. Packers when he head coached for a brief moment. <laughs> yeah, the glory days. Yeah, it's kind of funny too because I'll hear from younger football fans like, well, you like the Packers. You're kind of bandwagon. You've always had it good. I'm like, you have no <laughs> idea. No idea. No, two words. And anytime I start Mikowski. rooting for the. Right, exactly. And anytime yeah. anyone would, I don't know. Um, I don't know, bash the team or something like that. My dad would just not stand for it. You tell him, John, go get him. You, you got to say how great the Packers are. We're going to win it all. And uh, whew, those, that was a rough childhood rooting for the Packers. Yeah, trying to defend the number one pick of Tony Mandarich uh, on the playground. <laughs> Great right. school was exactly. very, very tough. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know, look him up, folks. Maybe the single worst bust in, in I would I would put him in top five in NFL history, number one right. picks. He just got into a few scrapes over YA Tittle as well, but uh, yeah, we will see. <laughs> yeah, right there you go. Hey guys, sponsored by oh, you're gonna like this one. One of our oldest sponsors, Sliver City, the lumber yard that's in a hurry, and Cole Slaughter. We murder cabbage for a killer side dish just for you. Back to you guys. Uh, so have you been to a Coyotes game and does it ring anything like uh, a classic Midwestern pond game? Yeah, it's really weird. Um, I remember many times getting tickets to take my dad there when he was still with us and he would say, no, I'm not going. I'm like, why not? It's not even far from you. And he'd say, I cannot see palm trees on the way to a hockey match. There's just no way I cannot do it. And uh, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, the the stadium uh, that they play in now, the arena that they play in now is pretty far away from the city center. They're thinking of building a new one, moving it in closer. It was a lot more uh. fun. I love that feel. Just like when you go to an indoor ice rink, you walk in the door and that briskness in the air and the fans are really into it. But it is kind of strange to walk out into glaring sunlight. And uh, I don't know, like my dad said, uh, 
you know, margaritas and palm trees waving everywhere. It's not like, uh, I don't know, go, going to a Bruins game, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. They had the uh, NCAA college hockey regional finals at uh, um, what preceded the Staples Center, which was the forum mm-hmm. where the Kings played. Yeah. So I thought, and I've, I'd never even seen a Kings game, but I thought, oh, I'm a huge college hockey fan. So I thought, oh, what the mm-hmm. hell? I'll go and, and see what it is. And, you know, I walked in and there's like 18 people there, <laughs> you know, in a 20,000 seat arena. So yeah. consequently, it's absolutely freezing. The ice has taken over yeah. the vibe of the place. <laughs> it, great college hockey, but man, you could literally, you, you could literally sit anywhere in the place. So right. it, although the Kings have changed that now, but it is interesting to see hockey in the in the the southern part of the united states and to see what they need to do to kind of grab a toehold but i think i think i think you mentioned the key which is which is snowbirds if you get enough snowbirds (laughs) anywhere they'll eventually go oh come on let's go check out a hockey game (laughs) oh hey there and they'll be there uh go over there but down there so uh, prior to this you worked in um marketing and advertising uh, now, now you're you're trying to keep a uh, a small boat afloat in the uh, harsh waters of the pol- political climate of America. What, I ask every guest this: What's your worst gig? When you think to yourself, uh, "That is something I would never do again," <laughs> and, and and in your case, it's even going to be probably worse than submarine duty. Uh, <laughs> What pops in your head? Was there a gig, you know, or or a situation, something you had to go cover where you went, I got to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, there's been a few of those. But the first thing that pops to mind, it always pops to mind is Arizona boy, join the Navy, go north of Chicago to Great Lakes, Illinois in Uh, January. A a mere 20 minutes from my home in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, all right. Kenosha. Yeah, we would run up there, too. To get hammered. uh, All the sailors (laughs) who were 18 or 19 would go to Great Lakes Naval Station to get training. And you couldn't drink in Illinois because the drinking age in Illinois was 21. So you Uh would take the Chicago Northwestern train (laughs) just over the border into Kenosha, where the drinking age is like six because it's the upper Midwest. <laughs> right, right. And just get completely shit-faced and pour yourself and your friends back on the train. You Start could always a tell, fight or two. Yeah, the sailors were standing up and feisty on the way there and passed out in horizontal on the way back to... <laughs> to, to uh, uh, always, yeah. always. Well, I arrive in boot camp January 5, first morning, they wake up about a third of us to shovel snow. And everybody around me is from like upstate New York, Minnesota, you name it. And they're just shoveling. They're just going like crazy, shoveling snow. I am just kind of spinning around the shovel saying, okay, how do I do this? Watching other people. Oh, I would, I, I would get a tiny bit of snow on the edge of the blade and then I'd throw it up and it would fall right back down. And I, I can't keep up. Finally, my drill instructor says, what the bleep is bleeping wrong with you? You bleep and bleep. And I just said, I'm from Phoenix, sir. And he started dying laughing. And then he got, he was kind of ruining his cred by laughing. So he says, Gabriel, you get out of here. I never want to see you out of here shoveling snow again. So I'm like, yes. So wow. I can sleep in through, well, sleep in to 4.30 um, all throughout boot camp. <laughs> That's impressive. So no, 
none of your dad's genes rubbed off (laughs) nothing instinctively kicked in with a shovel in your hand (laughs) no it really didn't all i have is my mom's side i'm all finished so i'm very good at brooding alone in a darkened room but uh, that's about it that's about all i got that's a good midwestern pastime in february yeah, I often do. Well, that's they call that ice fishing up there. Rooting <laughs> right, exactly. in a room alone. <laughs> right, right. Is uh, somehow and only somewhat cheaper than analysis. Not really that much cheaper. <laughs> Once you get into the lures and the all and all the stuff you need, the, the auger, all of that crap. Custom thing. shack, the sterno, all that good stuff. <laughs> hey, guys, that one's sponsored by O. You like this one, John. Jehovah's Witness Protection. Disappear into the warm grip of the Lord at Jehovah's Witness Protection. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, let's get a little, little advice from you. I don't often have uh, writers on. And when I do, I like to, I like to get a, a little piece of advice if there's, if there's someone goofy enough at the age of 20 or 21 right now thinking about getting into uh, mm-hmm. political punditry. <laughs> uh, what's your advice for them? It's, the landscape has changed technologically, delivery platforms, the whole thing. What would you say to a kid going, ah, I think I could get into this and make a living? I would say focus on the writing first, the hot takes way, way down the list. Um, avoid outrage. I've seen many people who rise mm. fast and fall fast because they're angry all the time and they tear out their audience or they end up in a clinic because <laughs> you cannot be outraged 24 yeah. seven um, have a sense of humor because politics is so humorless. And if you even have a slight sense of humor, um, people want to read your stuff and will ignore other people's stuff, right. but focus on being a good writer first and just read a lot, learn a lot. I spend so much of my time reading and like reading, not about the current situation, reading old books, getting a little bit depth, and uh, that also helps you as crazy as things are now. It's been a lot crazier in the past. And so that kind of helps you with that as well. That. Yeah, we tend to forget that uh, journalism has traditionally been people pissing at each other uh, from <laughs> newspaper offices across the street from each other. Right, right. We suck. We suck. You suck. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. When you get into Tammany Hall and yellow journalism, all that <laughs> stuff, you really start to kind of see, oh, it's, it's not exactly new. Right. Uh, yeah. Humans are the same and grasping for power uh, like we always have. And sometimes it's involved a lot of war and suffering. Now it's mean tweets. So I will take the modern era <laughs> about that. But yeah, try to be a good writer. I, I really think that's key because yeah. most of it is clickbait and boring and you're going to be bored trying to write it um, and read people you like. I, what I did when I first started, there's a couple writers I like. I would, I would write out their columns word for word a few times. So that way I learned how they write, how they think, how they turn a phrase. Oh, wow. There's a lot of short sentences here. I didn't notice that before. Or they use a lot of $5 words or wow, everything's like one syllables. They're just punchy to the point. And uh, I did that in college. That helped a ton. And I've never heard anyone give that advice. So that is that is my advice, uh, especially if you're in your 20s or something, starting to get a voice. Find a couple of people who really hit you and just take it down like dictation, word for word, a couple articles, and you'll learn a lot about that writer and why you like it so much. Wow. Brilliant advice. Sponsored, guys. Uh, I was good advice. By Zigzag Zit Cream. Your zits will never see it coming. Serpentine with Zigzag Zit Cream. 
<laughs> my guest today, uh, the incredible uh, John Gabriel. Follow him on Twitter at John Gabriel, and that's J O N. So don't throw the H in, or it'll take you to the. Uh, although there's a we John grew up Gabriel poor, we could not afford poor. superfluous consonants, so it's just no, J O N. They, they, they cost so much the consonants, <laughs> um, uh, and avoid the well. Don't avoid him. There's a diet guy named John Gabriel too. We actually lost a crap load of weight. Amazing looking guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, go to that for diet. But, but go to our John Gabriel for uh, uh, for fun and, and good uh, political insight. And also ricochet.com. They can find you there writing and where, yep. and where else can we find your stuff? That's really it. Those are the main things. King of Stuff podcast that I have every week. Uh, I think one's coming out tonight. So check there them out. Go. Very exciting. You think. You're not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. It depends no. if I can stay awake all afternoon and actually uh, get myself to record and edit an audio file. So we'll see. Uh, there you go. See, they can't uh, use podcasts uh, in. Uh, uh, this will be my second kidnap reference of the episode, which is very <laughs> weird. But uh, you know how they hold up a newspaper with the date on it. They can't do that with podcasting, you know, because if they try to show like an iPad with your podcast on it, the release date is like, eh, when we get around to releasing it, we'll release this episode of the podcast. Exactly. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Great to be on, Jeff. And thanks to you, Chet, as well. Great, great spots. Oh, my pleasure. Wow, that personal endorsement from, from uh, John Gabriel of myself, Chet Waterhouse, sponsored by River Glance, the Irish dance sensation where only their eyes move. Jeff, back to you. Uh, follow me on Twitter. At Real Jeff Cesario, my album, What Was I Thinking, streaming everywhere. The Play With Pain mugs, available at jeffcesario.com. That's Chet on one side, Play With Pain on the other side. I'm literally three mugs away from getting a check from a cafe press, so go there and buy one. Uh, look for me soon on the road. I'm going to post some tour dates. Knock on wood, I'm going to get out there in uh, in uh, midsummer for some dates. Uh, Chet, what do you got cooking? Oh, this weekend I'll be in Pasties on Thames, England, calling the 117th annual sewer dive for the BBC Slow Channel. Surprisingly, it's a team event sponsored by Fluow, Hawaii's strongest cold medicine. Thanks for tuning in. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.